All right, good morning. How are we? Are we good? So those of you that know me know that uh, I'm kind of a baseball fan. So this morning I'm, I'm pinch hitting. Um, you know, Dwayne had asked me to, to share a little bit about uh, one of the one of the things we saw in Africa. We, 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 were, we were fortunate to, to see a lot of amazing things during our, our week in Africa. And I was planning this morning to kind of uh, redo what we talked about a little bit last Sunday night for those of you that, that weren't here. Um, and then he called me yesterday and said, yeah, when I picked up the phone, I could tell he wasn't feeling well. He, he sounded bad and, and he said, hey, I'm not feeling good. Could you kind of expand on what you were going to say and, and fill up the, the sermon time? And I said, well, I will certainly try. My wife thought that I had prayed and, and uh, that God had answered my prayer to get out of cleaning the garage. I said, I went outside. I said, I said, Lord, Dwayne called and, and he wants me to, to preach tomorrow. She said, you're trying to get out of cleaning the garage, aren't you? Well, I cleaned the garage and, and got ready for uh, for what we're going to talk about today. Um, so I, I'm actually I'm actually excited to share with you um, because. You know, I feel a little bit like like some of the stories you read in the Gospels where where people said, I, I, I don't have a choice but to tell. Like, I, I can't do anything but tell this. Um, I, I got to, you know, we're going we're to talk a little bit about God being I am. I, I saw him do it. Um, and and we're going to we're going to lay some groundwork in a minute from scripture and talk about that and then I'm going to I'm going to share a little bit about some of the things I saw but then at the end I, I want to bring it all together for for you um, because whether you whether you've realized it or not you've you've experienced it too a lot of you have okay so so that's the that's the plan um, if I seem ill prepared it's it's because I am um but but that's kind of a good place to be, um, because as David mentioned, we, we serve a God who is who is not surprised. Um, he is prepared, and that's my hope this morning. Let's let's pray together before we get started. Father God, thank you for being I am for, for all that that entails. Um, God, I, I have no idea why you use a worm like me for the privilege of proclaiming the word. I don't know why you, you granted me the privilege to see things I've seen. But I know this, that I must be obedient to tell. And so I, my prayer this morning is that I would be emptied of me, but that you would be filled, that, that you would be seen, that you would be heard, that you would be made much of this morning. God, bring to life your truth this morning. Let people see it. Soften hearts, open eyes, as, as we talk about Miracles, do them this morning 
bring life where there is death. Because you can. We trust you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, and the, the, the little uh, the, the video there was talking about I am. And Dwayne started this, this series last week um, about the, the, the idea that, that Jesus is I am. And he was, he's planning to, to look at some of the things Jesus says he is. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And, and you saw there that comes from God's response when, when Moses said, who, who do I tell them? God, God says, go and bring my people back. And Moses says, who, who do I tell them is sending me? Okay? And, and God says, tell them I am. And, and I love that that, I, I love all that that encompasses. Um, because, like I said, two weeks ago, I, I got to see God be I am. When, when I was asking, who, who is going to help in this time? He said, I, I am. When, when my heart was sinking because of all I wasn't able to do for this little girl, God said, I am. Um, what, what's so great about that phrase is, is it, it gives us this idea of how unlimited God is. To, to every question you answer, or you, every question you ask about your life, about your circumstances, his reply is, I am. He, he's not limited like, like we sometimes think he is. He, he's not limited by what he's able to do. Any question that you ask, is he, he, he says, I am. And the other thing that I love about that phrase is, is everything that it encompasses in terms of, of time. Because when Jesus says, I am, it, it, it entails that, that he was. Okay, and we're going to look at that in a second. And, and it, it, it talks about him, that he will be. Okay, but what I love is that that it also means that he is. Present tense. Okay? First, I want to... I wanna, we're going to bounce around a little bit some different scriptures. Okay? Um, but, but the first place we're going to go is, is John 1, 2. Um, as you're turning there, um, I, I, just, I just want you to be thinking about this idea that, that, that when Jesus says, I am, he is everything we need. Provider, sustainer, encourager. In this perfect unity of the Trinity, God is our, he's our loving Father that disciplines us in love. He's our, our sacrificial older brother in the Son that pays our debts when we can't. He's our counselor that guides us every step. But, but he's, he, he's all of that. Um, John 1, verse 2. This is going to lay this groundwork that I talked about, about who he was and who he will be. Verse 2, it says, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He has been from the foundations of time. From eternity past, he has been. He was with God. He is the creator of all the... I mean, you drive around right now and, and 
Trees are blooming. Grass is growing. The sun is shining. The Jesus who says, I am, is the one that did all of that. Okay? And he will be. In, in Revelation chapter 19, okay, if you, can, if you can kind of turn over there, we get this glimpse of what he's, what he's going to be. Okay? And this is, this is powerful stuff. Down in, starting in verse 11, John is writing, telling us about what he sees. And he says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Okay. Just so we, we kind of don't get, get lost here, okay? We have this Jesus who from eternity past was in the beginning with God. He has always been. He is the creator. He, he is the, the, the maker of everything that you know. He, he's that guy. He has always been. And he will be. He is at some time returning as this conquering king, tattooed, with the name King of Kings on his leg, with a rod of iron to rule the nations. Okay? This is the guy we're talking about. Okay? He was and he will be. But, but what I want you to get today is, is that he is, right now, present tense. He's past and he's future. But friends, don't, don't miss this. He is not just these stories of past and things we think about in the future. He is your present tense. He is your today. Okay? And, and he is right now. Um, I'm going to read you a passage from Mark chapter 5 that's going to kind of... As I, as I read this story, I, I want you to, to let it sink in and remember it as, as I, in a minute then tell you about what we've seen in Africa. Um, I, I want this passage to kind of kind of burn in your minds because, because I really felt like I saw this come leap off the pages for me um, two weeks ago in the desert. So we're in Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had... A discharge of blood for twelve years, and she had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. 
She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I'll be made well. Now, now don't, don't miss the significance of that. Because for this woman, in her illness and sickness, she would have been considered unclean. Okay, she would, she would not have been allowed inside the temple. She certainly would not have been allowed to touch someone who was thought of as clean. It's a big deal. Okay, but, but over and over again in the Gospels, what we see is that Jesus is not made unclean by uncleanliness. He makes the unclean clean. Okay, and so she touches him. It's a big deal. Okay, um, verse 29, and immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? The disciples are a little bit confused at this point. I mean, it, it's, you, you've been in crowds before. Like, you, you go to a, a, a baseball game, and, and you're, you're leaving, and you're like this. And, and you're, you know, I mean, you're shoulder to shoulder. It's a mass of people, okay? It's, it's like that kind of crowd. And then Jesus says, Somebody touched me. The disciples are like, What are you talking about? Fifty people have touched you. What, what's the big deal? Okay. Um, now I lost my place. And, and they, they're probably a little bit frustrated because there's a little bit of urgency here. Okay. This, this girl is dying. She's, I mean, they're desperate. And now Jesus is stopping in the midst of this crowd asking them who, who bumped up against him. Why is this important? That's kind of probably what they're thinking. And I'm sure that that daddy, that Jairus, is, is like, what? Why are we stopping for this? We've got important things to do here. My daughter is dying. We can't mess around with the, these trivialities. Verse 32, and he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Verse 35. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? See, they, they thought it was game over at this point. It, it, they'd waited, and, and now she's dead. And, and their response was, Why, why, why bother the teacher? And I wonder sometimes if, if we're not like that. If we don't think, my, my life is too far gone. Why bother the teacher anymore? My marriage is, is too far gone. Why, why bother the teacher anymore? My kids have strayed so far. Why bother the teacher anymore? And, and I think that, that Jesus would say to you what, what he's going to say to these people. Verse 36. But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. 37. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion of people weeping and wailing loudly. You'll notice that he, he kind of limits the number of people here. Okay? And later you'll see him tell them not to. He says, don't tell anyone. And you'll see Jesus do that a lot in these 
in these accounts of, of miracles. And I think the reason is he didn't want to take away from the focus that is the cross. He, he, still, has, he still has a job to do. This is, not, this is not the main reason he's here. Okay, it's, it's part of what he's here for. But his purpose is to go to the cross. His purpose is to die for you and for me and for this little girl. That's why he's here. He does not want anything to take the focus off of the cross. And so on that side of the cross, where they are, he often says, don't tell. Keep this to yourself. But now that the cross, now that we're on this side of the cross, on our side of the cross, his message to us is tell everybody. Okay? So when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion? There are people. It's, it's awful. This little girl is dead. And they're mourning. He says, why are you weeping? Why is there a commotion? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Verse 40, and they laughed at him. See, they're thinking, this is ridiculous. I mean, these people, these people know death. They see death. They know it, okay? And they know the finality of death. This little girl's dead, okay? And Jesus is saying, why are you weeping? And they're kind of mocking him. Because what he's about to do, and I said this Sunday night, but it's it, worth repeating, what, they're about, what he's about to do is ridiculous. It does not make any sense. It is outside of the scope of normal. It is mockable by the world's wisdom. Okay? It, it's, it's just far-fetched. It's unbelievable what he's about to do. Okay? So they, they're laughing. Uh, but he put them all outside and took the girl's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, To Litha Kumai, which means, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years old. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this. And he told them to give her something to eat. I want you to notice there where he says they were immediately overcome with amazement. That's the, that's the point of what he did. It's the point of all of his miracles is that he be made much of. He, he doesn't heal this girl just to alleviate the suffering of her father and her mother. Okay? That's part of it. Okay? He, he does have compassion on Jairus and heal this little girl to comfort him. Okay? But that's not the ultimate purpose. Okay? If that were the case, then, then, then why doesn't he heal everybody? He doesn't, I mean, not everybody gets this. Not everybody gets to have their daughter raised from the dead. Right? There were some other girls probably not far from, from this girl who died. Okay? If he's just about alleviating the suffering of, of people, then he'd raise them all. And that's not what happens. Okay? The ultimate purpose here is that he be made much of. Okay? That, that in his miracles, that people would see him. That, that God, if, if, you don't, if you haven't figured this out, let, let me just make it clear. God is passionate about his glory. More than anything else. Okay? That is... That's the ultimate, his glory. 
that he be made much of. Okay? That's why he did that. And so in order to make much of God, we need to tell about these miracles. That's why I, I have to, I mean, I, I'm, I'm anxious and excited to tell you about this, this miracle I saw so that he might receive glory. Okay? This, this Jesus who is the I am, who was in the beginning with God and who will one day come as a conquering king, the one that raised this little girl, he does not sleep. He does not slumber. I saw him with my own eyes. Two weeks ago in the desert of West Africa, he came to the aid not of a ruler of the synagogue, but for a dead. In a mud hut. can't quite get over it. So, if you can, if you can show that first picture, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a story. Um, so, on the second day we were there, um, we were, we'd finished up the day, we'd, we'd gotten our little bucket bath stuff, and we were getting ready for supper, and uh, the, the people of the village came to, to sing, the kids and the women, to sing and, and dance for us. And it was kind of their way of, of honoring us, of thanking us um, for coming and bringing glasses and bringing medicine. And um, this picture that you see is, is sort of the calm before the storm. They're, they're gathered around. They had these drums. I mean, there was excitement. There was, it was, it was just fun. It was getting ready to be a fun evening. And then, and then around the corner of that, that building, that mud wall there, I saw this dad, who I thought was a dad, this man come carrying this little girl. And from, from the distance, I could tell something just wasn't quite right. Um, this, this girl was, was too big to be a sleeping baby in a daddy's arms. I mean, she was just not what you expect. And, and she was... But she looked asleep. And she just kind of limp. And then, and then as he got closer, I could tell something, something horrible had happened. Because she had, she had blood all over her face. Um, she was limp. She was unconscious. So we, we carried her over to what had become our clinic. It was like a covered porch. Um, we laid her on the only bed we had, which was... It was a wooden table about the height of a coffee table, and we started to, to work. You can, you can put up the second picture now. This is, this is kind of what, this is what we saw. This is what we, we were working with. Uh, Dr. Oliver and I, we started asking questions, and we, we found out a few things in spite of the language barrier. We, we found out that she was seven years old. The guy that was carrying her into the village, he wasn't her dad. He was her uncle. Um, we found out that she'd fallen 20 feet from a tree. She didn't look like she had any other injuries. So, so what we kind of came to the conclusion was that the brunt of the force of this fall, she had absorbed with her head. Um, her eye was swollen. She was bleeding. So we, we started to work. Um, and I, I'm thinking about what would be happening if this were Harrisburg. Um, you know, she'd, she'd be in the emergency room. She'd get a, you know, they'd, they'd, they'd stabilize her neck so that she couldn't move just in case she'd broken her, her neck. 
Um, we didn't have anything to do that. Then they tell me that she'd ridden to our village seven kilometers on the back of a motorcycle in this guy's arms. I'm thinking, well, if, if her neck's broken, it, no, we're, we're not making it worse at this point. There's nothing we're going to do to make it worse now. Um, she'd be getting a CAT scan of her head real quick. And then she'd probably be in a helicopter going to a children's hospital with a neurosurgeon who would be able to, to, to do surgery on what I assumed was probably bleeding in her brain or, or around her brain. So that, that's, that's going through my mind as I, in a few seconds, minutes of this. And so I start asking questions about what we can do. And like the closest place to get a CAT scan is like a five-hour drive on these bad roads. And even then, when you get there, there's not a lot of confidence in what you're going to find. You know, there may not be the help that you need, so we might load up and take her there, and it's no better than what we found. So, um, so we're not going anywhere. And we're 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 it. This is this is it. And all this time around me, I can hear behind me the prayers of our team. I can hear I can hear Nan and Bema. And I can, I can hear these these six young men, um, these these college age men, uh, who are pouring out their lives in the desert. I can I can hear them all pray for this little girl, and. Uh, as we get her cleaned up and dress her wounds, and she's kind of coming in and out of consciousness. She, there are times when, when she wakes up and fights us a little bit, but she, she's never really responding. And you, you look at that picture, she looks kind of lifeless. It's not a great picture, I realize, but she looks lifeless because she was. There wasn't much to her. And at this point, we're thinking, well, let's just kind of see how things go. And I found myself kind of thinking, you know what, kids are pretty resilient. I mean, you, you parents know that, right? And, and you grandparents especially know it, right? I mean, the parents flip out and grandparents are like, eh, whatever. You know? Kids are just, they are. They just, they'll take a licking, they keep on ticking, right? I mean, that's how kids are. And so I found myself laying, sitting there watching this girl, and I, I, I found myself having a little bit of confidence in that. And, and then it got worse. And I think God was kind of saying, don't, don't you dare have confidence in just in that kids are resilient. He, he was saying, you need to have confidence in me. Um, I, it's, it's probably like Jairus when he went to Jesus. I mean, he, he had some confidence in what Jesus could do. I mean, he knew that Jesus could, could heal. He, he'd heard about that. He'd seen that. But he was kind of limited. I mean, that's what he thought. And, and, and that's why he was hurrying. And then once she died, they were like, well, it's over. They had a limited understanding of what Jesus was and who he was and what he could do. And that's kind of, I mean, I, I'm guilty of that. So I'm sitting there thinking, well... You know, she's, they're, they're resilient. Kids are resilient. Maybe she'll come out of this. 
I wasn't thinking, you know, really that it doesn't matter how resilient she is. Jesus can, can solve it. He can handle it. Um, but, but things got worse. Um, she vomited all over Judy Miller's shoes. And, and then she started having a seizure. And as her seizure subsided, I pried open the one eye that you could examine. Her other eye was swollen shut. And, and my heart kind of sank as, as I shined this flashlight into her eye. And I saw that her, her pupil uh, was, was great big. And it didn't shrink down when I shined the light in her eye. Now, for you people that aren't medical people, that's not good. That's not what's supposed to happen. And then, and then my heart sank a little further, and I heard Dr. Oliver at the other end of the bed say, she's got an upgoing toe. And, and he just checked something called the Babinski reflex. And again, the medical people, for, for you that aren't medical, this, you, you kind of run your finger along the sole of the foot. And what you expect is either that nothing happens or that the big toe kind of curls down around it. But what hers did was go up. And, and it's a sign that things are bad, that the brain, are, it's not, things are not working well. And, and it was especially upsetting because I had just maybe 15 minutes before that, I had checked it and it was fine. Things got worse quick here. Um, and so at, at this point, uh, you know, we're, we're, we don't know what's going to happen. Dwayne told me later he was... He was thinking about what, what he'd say during the funeral. Because that's kind of what we were thinking. This is where we're headed. Um, there, there wasn't anything that I could do medical at this point. If you look at that picture, you can kind of see I'm, I'm holding her wrist. Um, I was feeling her pulse. Because I, I thought it was going to quit. I mean, that's, that's what I was waiting for. Um, and, and I can still hear people praying. And I knelt down there next to that, that little coffee table bed. And, um, I mean, there wasn't anything else I was going to do doctor-wise. And so I'm praying. And the thing that kept coming to my mind as I'm praying, and the phrase that, that I just was begging God was that for the sake of his name, something would happen. For the sake of his name. For the sake of his name. And just over and over, tears just pouring down my face. It was bleak at that point. And, And then I am arrived. The parents hadn't been there up until this point. They, they get there and um, because they, they, were, they weren't with her when it happened. So they walk up and I, I hear this, this dad kind of come to the head of this bed and he, I, I hear him kind of whimper and you can kind of see his shoulders shuddering. I, obviously, it's not a big deal for me to cry. But for these folks, uh-uh. Those African men... They do not cry. All right? It's just not something they're going to do. But they also, they, they see death. And they know death when they see it. They, they, they know when it's coming. They're not, 
immune to it. They have seen it. They have seen children die. Um, the families, most of them have some experience with, with seeing this happen. And I watched as that dad started to cry. Because I think he was looking at his little girl and he, he thought she was going to die. Um, and then her, her mama said her name. And, and she kind of grunted and turned her head a little bit. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot, okay, to, to maybe to the average person. But minutes ago, this little girl had very simple brain reflexes that weren't working right. Very simple functions that weren't going right. And now all of a sudden she's hearing her name. Her brain is taking that and... and Processing it, and she, she knows it's her mama. And, and it, it was just a grunt, but it was appropriate. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. That was I am showing up. Right at that moment. When it seemed like it was too late. When it, when it seemed like it was over. We're ready for a funeral. And all of a sudden, the ship turns. We stayed up with that girl all night. I'd shine that flashlight and make sure she's still breathing. We just sat there watching her. The dad, later they told me what the dad said. Uh, he said, I don't know what is with these kids, but when mango season comes, they just become crazy. <laughs> She'd been up in this tree trying to pick one of the ripe mangoes. things were getting better. She'd wake up a little bit. She'd drink a little bit. Um, She'd interact with her parents. I'm telling you, it was, well, it was dramatic. Um, So the following morning, um, this little girl who I was hours before holding her Pulse, waiting for it to quit, gets up and walks out of this compound. Um, and, and they took her to a clinic so that they could give her some IV fluids because she, kept, she was still vomiting. Um, and I... So now you can show that next picture. This week, I got this picture. And that, that's, that's Judy. Nafi. That's what their African name is that we call her. And, uh, and that little girl is the girl you saw in that other picture. Um, she's got, you can see, kind of a little scratch on her forehead. But... I mean, she's, she's well. I said this um, last su- on Sunday night, and I'm going to say it again. I have more education than I know what to do with. Um, I have read books and taken tests, and I've got the letters after my name to prove it. Uh, but I can tell you that there is only one explanation for what happened. 
I am arrived. And, and he, he healed that girl. And he did it for the sake of his name. Those people in that village have a much different understanding of Jesus this week than they did two weeks ago. I have a different understanding of who Jesus is. I think some of you probably are going to have a different understanding of who Jesus is. This is the last thing I want to leave you with, okay? Flip over from Mark to John chapter 9. Uh, starting in verse 1. It says, As they passed by, he saw a blind man from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? If you want, you could, you could read there, who sinned, this girl or her parents, that she fell out of that tree? Jesus answered, verse 3, It was not that this man sinned or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, flip down to verse... Well, hold on. Verse 6. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud... And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now, go to 24. So the Pharisees are going to quiz this guy about what happened. So for the second time, they called the man who'd been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. They're talking about Jesus. He answered, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. I'm yet to figure out completely why Jesus has seen fit to show me what I saw in that village two weeks ago. But I know this. He did not intend that for myself. He did not intend me to be selfish with that. He did not show himself in the desert just for me. He did it so that I could tell of his greatness. And I think it's important that when we encounter things like this, that, that we give testimony to the, the, the power that we've seen. Okay? Now, you might be sitting there today, and you're thinking, well, that's all fine and good, but I've, I've not seen God raise the dead or give sights to the blind. Right? I mean, how many people have seen... I mean, I've never seen anything like this. And probably not many of you have either. Right? Colossians 2.13 says this. And you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by the canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. If you know Jesus today, you were dead 
and now you're alive. And I'm, I'm telling you that the miracle of that is no less dramatic than that little girl. And it ought, to, it ought to make us excited to tell, like, like it's made me this... I, I'm ashamed that, that I, don't, I don't consider the miracle of him taking me from death to life like I do this girl. I mean, this story is... It's dramatic, isn't it? But the story of your death to life, that's just as dramatic. I'm going to say it's more dramatic. Okay? Now, if that's not enough, Paul describes his conversion. I think Dwayne was maybe going to talk, use this scripture today. But anyway, in Acts chapter 26, verse 15, Paul is describing his conversion to King Agrippa. He says, and I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. To appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Can you put back that, the, the second slide? There's a whole lot of you in this room who have heard Jesus whisper in your ear, little girl, I say to you, arise. That, that's, that's what happens when, when you receive Christ. Do you, I, hope, I hope that you see that. I hope when you look at that girl and, and you see... You see me feeling the life slip from her hand. That you know that you were there. That if you know Jesus, that, that that's you. Your life was, was slipping away. Not physically. I mean, we're all, that's true for all of us. But, but spiritually, it wasn't slipping away. You were dead. You were dead like this little girl. It was game over. But then Jesus said to you, I say to you, arise. I hope that, I hope that stirs your heart. I hope you grasp how dead you were. Okay? I hope you do. Because unless you understand that, it's hard to get real excited about being raised from the dead. Okay? So, so for those of you today... That know Jesus, that's your story. You've experienced a miracle. And, and I think your response needs to be two things. First, you need to worship the one who is the I Am, who brought you from death to life. And the second is you need to tell people about that miracle. I mean, that's a... That's a that was a pretty amazing story, isn't it? I mean, the story of the girl, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, enough that Dwayne was like, you need to tell that again Sunday morning because there's some people that weren't here. If you know Jesus, you've got a story like that. And, and if you don't think you do, you, you, need to, you need to do some searching on that. 
Because if you don't know that you've gone from death to life, here's the, here's the worry I have. You may still be dead. Now, if you don't know Jesus, I'm sitting there. Well, I'm, right now, I am, I am holding your pulse and I'm feeling it slip away. If you, if you don't know Jesus, if, if, you are, if you are clinging to anything other than the blood of Christ, other than his completed atoning work on the cross, all you can look forward to is his wrath and judgment. And I know there are people here, and that's their, that's their future. And Jesus wants to wants to arrive on the scene and be the I am that says, arise. He wants to, he wants to open your eyes so that these, these words of Scripture no longer seem like foolishness. They, they, are, they are life to you. That doesn't happen just by, just by trying hard. It's a supernatural miracle of God that, that he opens your eyes to appreciate his truth. That's what he wants to do. He wants to open your eyes to see that. And then he wants to say to you, arise and live. With, with, with Jesus, the I am, it is never over, even when it looks like it's over. While he gives you breath to breathe, he's given you a chance. If, if that is you, fall on his mercy today. Let's pray together. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for this time. Uh, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is not tired old stories, but that, that you bring it to life. God, I, I pray that you'd move in this place this morning for the sake of your name. God, you, you, you have a plan. You have a purpose. You did not cause these things to happen for no reason. Use the miracle of a, of a little girl in Africa to bring life to hearts in Harrisburg. You are the God who raises from the dead. Stir our hearts this morning. Pray in the name of Jesus. David's going to sing. Um, you, you, I, I told you what the response is. For some of you, it's worship. For some of you, it's, it's surrender. Whatever it is, just be obedient. <laughs>